Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. All 22 verses this morning will be our text as we continue walking through this letter written by the Apostle Peter to a group of believers scattered about after experiencing persecution for the name of Jesus that we just sang about. As we dive into the text this morning, the message is entitled, Beware of False Teachers. There is a warning sign placed above chapter 2 for us. I don't know if when you buy products, you ever pay attention to the warning signs that are listed on the products that you buy. Do you know that there are warning signs on coffee cups? Beware. Contents are hot. There's a lawsuit that goes along with that one. If you purchase a baby stroller, there's a warning sign on the baby stroller that says, remove baby before folding stroller. You know someone didn't, and that's the problem, right? If you purchase a wheelbarrow, this is one of my favorites, there's a warning sign on wheelbarrows, not intended for highway use. And I'm from South Georgia, I just want to try it, right? Let's put a motor on this thing, an axle in the back, let's roll. One that I have no experience with, hair dryers. And that's by choice, church. That's not because I can't grow my hair out, okay? But it says, do not use in the shower. (laughs) Warning signs. For us, we look at those and we think, how dumb would someone have to be to use that thing in that way that a warning sign would need to be placed there? And I would say to us as followers of Jesus this morning, we may be tempted to think that chapter 2 in Peter's letter is not really necessary. Of course, we all know the danger of false teachers and false doctrine. And yet for Peter, this is so vitally important in the life of this group of believers, he spends an entire chapter, 22 verses, outlining for them the reality that they must beware of false teachers. And the reason is because it is vitally important in the life of followers of Jesus that we take note of the truth that Peter here is proclaiming. It is not by accident that it's here. We desperately must and need to dial in this morning to what Peter is saying and for us as followers of Jesus to take note and to search our hearts and to guard our minds and prepare ourselves for the reality that he describes here in chapter 2. I want to read the text for us and as we do each week we'll walk back through it together but this is God's word 2nd Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you 
who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority." Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction." suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise the freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit 
And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at God's word this morning, 2 Peter chapter 2, I want you to write down this main idea. It'll frame our time together as we walk back through these verses. It's this truth. As followers of Jesus, we must beware of false teachers and the destruction they bring. As followers of Jesus, we must beware of false teachers and the destruction they bring. As we've been walking our way through the book of 2 Peter so far, if you remember back to week one, Peter walked through the reality of our identity in Christ as followers of Jesus. So if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've received forgiveness for your sins, Christ's righteousness covers you as we sang about this morning. And if that is the case for you, Peter says, in light of that reality, here is how you should live. Lives marked by growing righteousness, lives marked by pursuing obedience to Jesus Christ. And then last week, Peter, as he is preparing for chapter 2, as he's preparing for this discussion about false teachers, lays out the reliability, the truthfulness, the confidence that we as followers of Jesus can have in the Word of God, that we can stand firm on the truth of what God's Word teaches, that that is for us what we must tether our lives to in this world in which we live. And now, as I told you last week, Peter is without equivocation, without questioning, without soft peddling in any sense, lay out for us the problem of false teachers. I mean, as we read through that, did you with me just sit back and go, he's coming in hot, and he is, but he's doing so because he is gravely concerned with the false teachers that are seeking to lead those followers of Jesus astray. And I would submit to you this morning that Things have not changed from Peter's day to our day. There are false teachers who are seeking to lead followers of Jesus astray, seeking to preach and teach false doctrine. And so the question that lies before us this morning is how do we prepare ourselves for the onslaught that is coming? As we walk through the text this morning, I want to take note of three truths that we see. The first one is this in verses 1 through the first part of verse 10. False teachers are destined for God's judgment. False teachers are destined 
for God's judgment. I want you to notice, beginning in verse 1, Peter says, but false prophets also arose among the people. Now remember, he has just outlined for us the reliability of the Old Testament scriptures as we are preparing ourselves to look at the false teachers. And what he's making the connection to is that even then, where there were true prophets of God, that through them the Lord spoke and they wrote the scriptures down, that there were also at the same time false prophets as well. And he says for these believers, not only were there false prophets then, but he says now, just as there will be false teachers among you. He says to these believers, there were false prophets then, and there are false teachers now that will come among you. And to us as followers of Jesus, that the same thing holds true for us today. And I want you to notice that he describes them. In fact, he gives three key aspects of the identity of these false teachers. You could put this in contrast with the identity of us as followers of Jesus. Note how he describes them in the second part there of verse 1. About these false teachers, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. One of the key aspects of a false teacher is the fact that they bring to the table not the truth of God's word, but Peter says here, destructive heresies, that is false teaching. As we look at this, I want to make sure that we understand as he says heresies here that we are clued in to what he means. Because it's important for us as we talk about false teachers, because that's a label that's kind of thrown around willy-nilly. It's a label that just, you don't like what someone says, they're a false teacher. But Peter here is going to outline for us the identity of these false teachers, and he's going to describe them very vividly. And the first thing is, they teach destructive heresies, even going so far, he says here, of denying the master who bought them, denying Jesus who laid his life down for them. In fact, as you look at this, one of the things that you and I must take note of is we as followers of Jesus have to have a clear understanding of what are the fundamental beliefs that we have as Christians. What is it that makes us a follower of Jesus? What do we have to stake our lives on? One of the most helpful treatments that I think has been put together, an article that Albert Moeller, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, wrote an article entitled Theological Triage. Theological triage. If you've ever been to an emergency room, this is, the, this is the analogy that he uses to describe what are the top-tier issues, the fundamentals of the faith that we must believe to be Christians. And then he says there's second-tier issues that we may look at Scripture differently about. For instance, like baptism. 
For us as followers of Jesus at North River Church, we believe baptism should follow salvation and should be conducted by immersion going all the way under the water and coming all the way back out. There are other denominations that have different perspectives on that. That would be a second tier issue. If you don't line up with us on that, North River may not be the place for you. And then there are third-tier issues. Those are issues that we can have disagreements within house about, like the end times. What happens at the end as everything is unraveling before Jesus returns? How do we interpret the book of Revelation? Some of you are thinking right now, when are you going to preach on that, Pastor? Everybody's like, let's go. Let's do this. But those are the three tiers, and he uses the analogy of an emergency room, that you may walk into an emergency room, and you've got three different people there. One person has an ingrown toenail, and they've walked into the emergency room. Another has a kidney stone, and they're screaming out in pain as they walk into the emergency room, which about four years ago, that was me. And then you have someone who has just been shot in the emergency room. Well, how do they treat those three people? Well, they go first and foremost to the one that has life-threatening injuries. That is the first person, the gunshot wound. That's who they're going to go to first. Then they're going to go second tier to me with a kidney stone. And as much as I screamed out, they said, you'll be fine, don't worry. And then to the person with an ingrown toenail, they're like, you probably should go see your other doctor, right? First tier, second tier, third tier. And Moeller says in that article that that's exactly what we must understand as followers of Jesus, that there are first tier issues. These are the fundamentals that we believe. If you don't believe these, then you're not a follower of Jesus. You can't be a Christian. And then there's those second-tier issues, which we may divide over and be part of one church versus another. And then there's those third-tier issues that we could still be part of the same church family. But here, what Peter is outlining is the first-tier issues that these false teachers deny some aspect of these first-tier issues. It seems here, as he indicates, they deny who Jesus Christ actually is. They deny the fundamentals of who Jesus is. And Peter says that is one telltale sign of a false teacher. But notice he says in verse 2, not only do they present destructive heresies, he says in verse 2, many will follow their sensuality And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So you can identify a false teacher on the basis of, are they bringing in destructive heresies? And number two, are they developing a following? And as a result of developing the following, the actual truth of God is being blasphemed, is being made of no repute among those people. And then he's going to outline here a third in verse 3. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They are in it. 
He says, thirdly, not for your benefit, not as Ephesians chapter 4 says, for the building up of the body of Christ, which is the role of a pastor shepherd within the body. But he says here, they are in it for money, for gain, for greed. Those are three key identifying marks, Peter says, of a false teacher. And notice at the end of verse 3 and from there all the way through the first part of verse 10, he is going to say about these false teachers that judgment is coming on them. Notice the last part there. Verse 3, their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Peter is describing them in a very key way. They are not believers. They are not followers of Jesus. And how do we know that? Because, he says here, destruction is what awaits them. Ultimate judgment from God. Notice, he explains this even further, beginning in verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels... When they sin, but cast them into hell, he uses the angels that rebelled. You see this in Jude verse 6, before time as we know it existed, Satan led a cadre of a third of the angels to rebel against God and God cast them out, Jude 6 tells us. If God did not spare judgment against the angels, notice he continues in verse 5, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah a herald of righteousness, we see this in Genesis chapter 7. And then he continues in verse 6, and if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. In verse 9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. False teachers are destined for God's judgment, which should caution us to willy-nilly throw that phrase out about someone. Because what we're saying, what Peter is saying here, is that that person is not a follower of Jesus at all. And in fact, they will experience the full judgment and wrath of God. Which means we better know for sure before we label someone that, that that is the case. I want you to notice that Peter continues in his description of the false teachers and the second part of verse 10, walking through verse 16. False teachers are hostile to the truth of God and the people of God. I want you to notice the words that are used as he describes them. He says, bold and willful. 
They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Bold and willful. Verse 12, but these, notice here, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheme about matters of which they are ignorant and will also be destroyed in their destruction. He calls them irrational animals, creatures of instinct. Growing up in South Georgia, we would typically hunt most things with four legs. I went for the very first time to go raccoon hunting with dogs. As an old guy, he had one tooth in his head. And he said this, he said, listen, just do whatever I tell you to do. So the first time one of the coon dogs trees a raccoon and the guy shoots the raccoon down, he falls at the base of the tree and you've got three or four dogs right there. And then there's other dogs that are treeing another raccoon a little bit further away. He has the only light among three of us. And he takes off with the other dogs as the raccoon is at the base of the tree, still alive, very much so. And the dogs are right in front of it, growling. And he yells back, stay there. Don't make any sudden movements. And in my mind, I'm thinking at two o'clock in the morning, this is a dumb idea. Because that is an irrational animal, a creature of instinct that's going to respond in a certain way if provoked. Now, praise the Lord, nothing happened. But I want you to notice that Peter here describes the false teachers just like that. Not only that, he continues on in verse 13 and says, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. Notice verse 14, his description of them. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. Notice the continued description. They have hearts that are trained in greed. Accursed children. Verse 15, forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. They have followed the way he describes here of Balaam, which if you want to unpack that a little bit, in Numbers chapter 22, we find the story of Balaam, one of the false prophets who was seeking to earn riches as a result of what he was proclaiming. It says in verse 16, he was rebuked for his own sin by a speechless donkey that spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. In verses 17 through verse 22, we see this description, false teachers are helpless to provide what people desperately need. They're destined for God's judgment. They're hostile to the truth of God and the people of God, and they are absolutely helpless 
to provide what people desperately need. Notice verse 17. There's two descriptions here that Peter uses to describe them. They are, number one, waterless springs. And number two, mists driven by a storm. Waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. What good is a spring that has no water? No good at all. What good is the mist that comes to you before the storm of destruction that comes after it? Not much good at all. And in the same way, instead of having the truth of God's word, instead of the bread of life and the rivers of living water, which is the description that Jesus uses of himself, here Peter says they have absolutely nothing with which to satisfy the deep thirst for the things of God. Instead, he says, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Here's the promise in verse 19. Freedom. But they themselves, Peter says here, are slaves of corruption. Whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. Listen to what he says here. The last state has become worse for them for the first. He says they know the things of God. They know the truth of God, but they have rejected them. And notice his response. It would have been better in verse 21 for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. In fact, verse 22 is true. The dog returns to its own vomit. The sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This is a harsh warning for us as followers of Jesus. This should, for us in this moment, not scare us, but put us on guard in our lives as followers of Jesus. To be certain that we so know the truth of God's word for ourselves that when a false teacher proclaims something that is not consistent with the truth of what God's word teaches, a red flag should go up in our mind. And we should be ready in that moment to take note of what is being proclaimed and ask the question, is this true or is this false? In fact, Paul would remind the believers that in the last days, 
People will set up for themselves false teachers whose aim in life is to scratch itching ears, to tell people what they want to hear. Which means for you as a follower of Jesus, when you come on Sunday mornings, be careful that you don't come wanting to hear what you want to hear, but that you come in prepared to hear what God wants you to hear. And the same thing holds true for me as we walk through the scriptures together that there is, as God's word reminds us, for those who are teachers, a stricter judgment and accountability before the Lord as we preach and teach God's word. As you look at the three truths that we just unpacked, false teachers are destined for God's judgment. False teachers are hostile to the truth of God and the people of God. False teachers are helpless to provide what people desperately need. I want you to know with encouragement this morning that the flip side of that is true as well. That true teachers of God's word are not destined for God's judgment, but for God's blessing. True teachers of God's word are not hostile to the truth, but embrace the truth. And they're not hostile to the people of God, but they love the people of God. And true teachers are not helpless to provide what people desperately need, but they provide the truth of God's word, which is exactly what we all desperately need. And so for us as a people, for us as a church family, May we so tether our lives to the truth of God's word. May we so marinate in the scriptures that we are able to discern truth from error. And may we love not what we want to hear, but may we love the truth of God's word, which is the only thing that will deeply satisfy the longings of our heart. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful for your word. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have as we gather corporately to sing and to open your word and to be flooded with the truth of who you are, and God, what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. God, may we love your word. God, may we love the truth that satisfies us from your holy scriptures. And God, would you prepare our hearts and our minds and a world that is often hostile to the gospel and a world that is filled with false teachers. Would you help us be on guard to be able to discern truth from error? God, that we would tether our lives to the truth of your word. 
Father, we thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you if you would stand. You may have come in today and you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, surrendering your life to Him. We would love nothing more than to help you take that step this morning. But maybe this is an opportunity for you as a follower of Jesus, once again, to recommit your life to the truth of God's Word, to love it, to know it, to study it, to cling to it, to tether your life to the truth of His Word. Would you do that this morning? You respond as the Lord leads.